Get ready to be jolted out of the ordinary and into a world where conversations are charged with intensity and facts. The Lightning Strike Talk Radio with your host, Mohammed Fahim, broadcasting live from the heart of the city on Chicago's Progressive Talk Radio, WCPT 820 AM. Welcome to a radio show that charges through the airwaves with an electricity like no other. Here's your host, Mohammed Fahim. Good morning, folks. Uh, good morning and welcome to WCPT. Welcome to the Lightning Strike. This is your host, Mohammed Fahim. With me in the studio is Ken Daluk again. And Howdy, John folks. Arena is actually on vacation, so he'll not be joining us today. But we have some pretty interesting guests in the studio and obviously a full power-packed hour of the Lightning Strike. The number to call in is 773-763. Nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. That is WCPT, and you can also tune in live on HeartlandSignal.com or go to Facebook.com forward slash WCPT eight two zero, or you can go to our website, which is uh, TLSChicago.com. Okay, and. Uh, Coming back to what's happening in the world, you all know what's happening, right? Uh, the uh, International Court of Justice uh, came in with uh, some uh, pretty interesting observations about what is happening in the Middle East. And uh, if you want to comment on it, feel free to call in. Again, the number is 773-763-9278. But uh, we have uh, Judge John Anderson, the Honorable John Anderson, in the studio with us today. And also another guest, uh, Zarka Abid. She is running for Congress in the 15th Congressional District in Ohio. And um, welcome to, to both of you. And uh, we'll be talking with uh, Ms. Abid uh, about 9.30 or so. And uh, let's start off with uh, Judge John Anderson. Good morning, Judge. Good morning, Mohammed. How are you? Thank you for inviting me. Well, so nice of you to come uh, on a Sunday morning and spend your mornings with us. So right off the bat now. Currently, you are a circuit court judge. Correct. Okay. What does that mean? Well, there are three layers uh, or three levels of courts in uh, state court in Illinois. At the bottom, you have the circuit court, and that is the level of court that most people would be um, would be exposed to. If you have a speeding ticket, you would okay. go to the circuit court. If you uh, are getting a divorce, you'd go to the circuit court. And imagine it like a pyramid. So at the bottom is the circuit court. At the very top is the Illinois Supreme Court. There are uh, seven justices there. And then in the middle is the Illinois Appellate Court. In many states, that would be called the Court of Appeals. Okay. So I'm a circuit court judge. Okay. So uh, does it help me if I know a judge, if I get a traffic court ticket, if I come to your court and you're going to say, hey, I know yourself, you know, you're not a bad person, let him go, right? Well, you certainly look innocent, but I, 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 given, that you, uh, given that I know you outside of court, I would probably have to recuse and send the case to a different judge. Okay. Uh, just kidding. So, folks, if you have any questions about the judiciary, we have had uh, about uh, six judicial candidates on the show so far. And uh, it is so important. Please remember that the judiciary right now is our not just uh, the first line of defense is probably the most important line of defense for uh, our civil rights in this country at the moment. It's often the last line of defense. Um, yep. You know, uh, and, and by the way, I, I should have pointed out, I'm, I'm running for the appellate court. I'm a candidate for the appellate court in the third district, which is okay. seven counties. It's Will County, DuPage, LaSalle, Grundy, Bureau, Kankakee, and Iroquois counties. But you're right. A lot of the um, the rights that we all 
thought were carved in stone are under attack. Um, reproductive rights, the mm-hmm. right to uh, the right to vote, the right to read the books you want to read and to love who you want to love. Those rights are all under attack. And in some instances, those attacks are coming through the court system. So okay. judges are often the last line of defense to protect those rights. So let me let me ask you this. Uh, this is something that I've always been curious about. Most judges are elected, but many of them are appointed also, right? Yes. So how good is a system where someone has the authority to appoint somebody who can take their agenda forward? Um, Unfortunately, there's really not a good way, a perfect way to choose judges. if you're in the federal level, um, if you're in federal courts, those judges are nominated by the president, um, and they don't really have any accountability in, in practical terms. They don't have accountability to anybody. Mm-hmm. In Illinois state court, judges are elected, and so judges do have accountability to the people, and many people think that's important, and it is, there is importance there, but how much accountability to the voters, do you want a judge to have? In other words, if you go into court, do you really want a judge to okay. be thinking, how will this case affect my ability to get elected or re-elected, re-elected yeah. or retained? You don't really want a judge thinking about those things. So um, to a certain extent, electoral accountability is a bad thing for judges. Mm-hmm. Uh Ken, you have any questions for uh, Judge Anderson? I do. Um, actually, I'm familiar with you, Judge. I've seen you since uh, COVID happened, and a lot of uh, the proceedings went into um, uh, Zoom calls, Zoom court, and um, so I have a, a familiarity of, of your background. What is your opinion on that technology as it relates to uh, you know trials? Well, definitely mixed feelings. I mean, Zoom allowed us to keep uh, moving cases along during COVID. It allowed people to get justice, which of course is um, central to any democracy. Um, But Zoom is imperfect. It's okay for status hearings and and arguing motions and things like that. But when it comes to a trial, when it comes to gauging a person's credibility, uh, their truthfulness, um, one of the things we look at is uh, a witness's demeanor and how they conduct themselves, how they handle themselves. And, and, Zoom really does not lend itself to that, but I still allow Zoom court for for people. Um, for example, if you're um, if you're a single mom, you, you wait tables, you can't afford an attorney. I don't want you to have to take a half a day off of work to come sit in my courtroom, sit there for an hour mm-hmm. to talk to me for three minutes. And so, um, and and if you have a lawyer, I don't want you to have to pay your lawyer you know, three, $400 an hour to drive an hour to court, sit there for an hour to talk to me for three minutes and then drive an hour back. You're paying for all that time. So I do allow Zoom court uh, really just to help people as a service to people and, and to save uh, money and, and promote efficiency. You know, you, you brought up a very interesting point just now, okay? How important is body language of the defendant in a courtroom and how does that impact your judgment as a judge? It, it's critical. Um very often, lawsuits and criminal cases come down to he, sh- he said, she said, who do you believe? Mm-hmm. And, you know, judges are human beings. We don't have crystal balls. We can't figure out who did what necessarily uh, with with 100% accuracy. But 
you know, we, we rely on, on our on our gut and we make credibility determinations. And it's it's much easier to make a good credibility determination when you can actually lock eyes with a person and, and, and look at how they conduct themselves, how they how they handle themselves. Um, if you just have a voice on the telephone or over a Zoom call. It's almost impossible. Kind to do of that. difficult, right? So, folks, we have uh, Judge uh, John Anderson in the studio with us today. He is a circuit court judge and he's running for the appellate court. And when is the election coming up now in March? Uh, there's a primary on March 19th. Early right. voting starts February 8th. Wow. Yes, it's going to be upon us. Um, and I do have a primary opponent. And then in the general election, um, the, the person running on the other side uh, is a guy who used to be a a law clerk for Clarence Thomas and he's very involved in the Federalist Society okay. and I think um, he seems like a rather extreme sort of person let me ask you a question in kind of reference to that um, how do you maintain impartiality and fairness when forced with these high profile and more importantly politically sensitive cases well, first of all, the judiciary cannot exist without the trust and confidence of people. And I wear a black robe. Uh, I don't wear a blue one. I don't wear a red one. So when I go into court, my focus is on the facts, the law, and I use my experience and judgment to reach a just decision. And I really don't pay a lot of attention to whether it's a high-profile case or a low-profile case. Uh, I try to treat them all the same. Um, but, you know, you always want to make sure that people um, – get a fair shake. Um, I've had a lot of challenges in my life. And so um, um, it's always important to me that people know going into court that they're going to be treated fairly. So speaking of challenges in your life now, Judge, I know that uh, you had a rough childhood. You are not the smartest uh, kid in school. And uh, you really had to overcome some challenges. Well, I, I don't know if I was the smartest kid in school or not, but I definitely um, was not the best student. Um, okay. I didn't want to be there. Uh, I went to Lincoln Way High School in uh -huh. Lenox. Uh, and candidly, I shouldn't say this, but I barely graduated. I had to go to summer school every year, including, okay. including the summer after I was supposed to graduate. I just didn't want to be there. I, I don't know if it was boredom or immaturity, but... Um, yeah, I mean, my, my parents had some struggles. My mom was a, a, a school bus driver. My dad was a landscaper. And uh, at one point, we lost our house to uh, to the bank, and I was homeless for a bit. I lived on my friend's couch uh, in a flea-infested, I'm sorry, a, a cockroach-infested cockroach apartment. Oh, apartment. Oh, there were cockroaches in there, I can tell you. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and, and, and something uh, happened in my life. Um, my, my uncle was, was murdered, and that actually had a profound impact on my life. It caused me to uh, go back and reevaluate the changes I was making. And I ended up um, going back to school. And um, now I have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree from University of Illinois Springfield, an MBA from Notre Dame. I have a law degree from UIC and a second law degree from Duke. So I feel like I'm very much a product of second chances. <laughs> okay. Uh, folks, uh, Judge Anderson has been a guest on our podcast also. So if you go to uh, the turningpointpodcast.com, this was like last year, 
and uh, we had uh, oh yeah you were a guest on the show sir we we, we got uh-huh. you we got you on uh, on audio and video and everything <laughs> but you can uh, listen to judge anderson's uh, story as to how he turned his life around that's what the turning point podcast focuses on is uh, how people face challenges in their lives and how did they uh, turn it around uh, when i got my first uh, bachelor's I, i got like two bachelor's and a master's and then i got uh, you know admitted into a phd program in australia and my dad kicked me out of the house he said you know you're killing yourself by degrees go make a living <laughs> okay so uh, education is is useful no doubt about it but uh, what do you think about our current education system i mean it's become a a, a diploma mill now a lot of these colleges like when i was uh, running for uh, for office uh, one of the things that uh, i was focusing on was education reform a lot of these people especially the four year colleges are not worth the money that people are paying for it what do you think well as somebody who is 53 years old and still owes student loans for my own education uh, i think student loan debt is one of the biggest problems we're facing in America and I also think that college costs are just exorbitant um I have my older two children go to uh University of Missouri and I walk around and I look at the campus and some of these dorms are like the Taj Mahal I mean I I lived in a dorm that was uh <laughs> uh just a, a dump and and now they're okay. building these dorms with a Starbucks inside you know i i never had something like that but the the real problem as i see it is student loan debt um i know people that have left law school with $100,000 in debt they make their payments and now they owe $200,000 and that debt is going to be impossible it's, it's, to get it's, out from it's, under it's, uh, it's ballooning up right and uh, that is something that is a huge concern to me folks so it's about 9:17 you are tuned into WCPT M820 Chicago's progressive talk radio station i'm your host mohammed fahim with me in the studio again my co-host uh, ken deluk we'll take a quick break and uh, we'll be back uh, also our person of the week at the end of the show is susan holman uh, she is a communications expert and susan uh, will be talking about how can parents communicate with their kids in today's social media world when everything is emojis so we'll take a quick break we'll be back on the other side of the break if you need to call in 7737639278 is the number Did you know there's an Illinois mandate that states by 2025 ComEd has to have 25% of the energy they deliver come from a green source? Because of this, plus the fees and taxes you've already paid on this program, if you qualify, you can get solar on your home at no out-of-pocket cost. This can mean an average savings on your electric bill of maybe 30 to 50%. More importantly, it would eliminate the uncertainty of ComEd raising your rates by whoever knows how much each year. Some people have noticed a 41% increase on their bill this spring and ComEd has been asking for another 80% increase over the next 4 years. If your average bill is 200 bucks a month now, maybe it could be reduced to 100 bucks a month. Now, 5 years, would you rather pay 115 or possibly 4 to 500? If you'd like to see if you can qualify for this program, call Kendall Luke at 312-617-8979. That's 312-617-8979. Help us save the environment and change that electric bill burden. That's 312-617-8979. Take advantage of this program while it's still available. Welcome back to the Lightning Strike with Muhammad Fahim. 
Good morning, folks, and uh, welcome back to the Lightning Strike. The number to call in is 773 uh, With me in the studio today is uh, a congressional candidate, Zarka Abid. He will be coming on shortly. And also Judge John Anderson, who is running for the appellate court in uh, Illinois now. And... Uh, Michelle Alfano has been a prison advocate, and we've been following up on Eric's case for the last few shows now, Eric Strang, who's been in prison in Iowa. And uh, Michelle has a question uh, for the Judge Anderson over here. Michelle, good morning. You're on the air. Yes, Judge Anderson. Good luck on your campaign, and good morning. Thank this you. This is my concern. Yes, thank you. This is my concern. I am focused on teenagers because my training is a, I was a high school teacher for a long time and I sit in court sometime and I see kids who are 19 years old getting sentenced to two decades, three decades, four decades. And I know many, many people who have these decades-long sentences and it's my feeling that long sentences focus so much on punishment, but don't create safer communities. They're also so expensive for taxpayers. So I'd like to know where you weigh in on that. And when you have a 19-year-old in front of you, how do you decide whether to go with 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? Well, first of all, um, I, I think... I think um, our prison system uh, does have some severe problems and is in require it is in need of overhaul. Um, I don't hear a lot of criminal cases. I do hear some, but mainly I hear civil cases. But um, to your to your question, you know, we spend probably fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year per prisoner. Mm-hmm. Um, many of these uh, prisons, at least in Illinois, are are being run or operated by private companies. And I think that's a real problem. Um, And, you know, many of the people that are being sent to prison are not really being rehabilitated. They're not being educated. They're not being set up for success um, once they get out. Um, Obviously, many people who are incarcerated should not be incarcerated forever. They have to, you know, they pay their debt and they should get out. But um, we want them to have a productive life when they get out. And so I think we need more um, more educational services, more work training, so that they can contribute to society when they get out. Um, if I have a young person in front of me uh, who, who's made a mistake, to be honest with you, um, you know, we, we all make mistakes when we're young people. Um, and many of us, uh, you know, there but for the grace of God, go, go us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, one of my favorite things to do is to talk to young people who are on the verge of maybe not graduating from high school or not, um, not, not finishing school. And I want them to know it's a really long race and they're just on the first lap. Um, my, 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 my message is not, you can be a goofball and be a judge or you can make mistakes like this and be a judge, but it's a long race. There are educational opportunities out there. Um, there are community colleges that have open enrollment policies. Um, you can go to a community college for two years. And once you graduate from there, they're not going to ask, uh, you, you can, transfer to a four-year college they won't even ask you for your high school transcripts mm-hmm. and so i want people to know young people to know that they have those opportunities to go to college even when they think they don't and so when we can um, focus on education for young people rather than locking them in cages um, in the long run that is better for uh, society as a whole and it makes all of us safer absolutely and uh, we've got uh, another caller calling in uh, with a question for jay anderson uh, i mean you're on the air go ahead please Peace be with you. 
My question to the judge is, first of all, establish, I do realize prosecutors have a job to do, and that bad people, criminals, should be punished in some way or another. And this is not to throw a blanket over all prosecutors, because you know, they have a job to do. But in, our, in the history of the criminal justice system, there have been prosecutors who knowingly, willfully, broken the law to get convictions to stack their numbers. And the problem is, in most states, prosecutors have immunity for anything they do. What is your position about a prosecutor who breaks the law, knows he breaks the law, and it's been proven that he broke the law? What Should he really get immunity from uh, what he's done, especially when he sends people to prison for something he knows they didn't do? Well, um, first of all, I think it is important to have a certain level of immunity for prosecutors who are just doing their job in good faith. Um, and But I think we need to remember that a prosecutor's job is not to secure convictions. It's not just to win in court. It's to do justice. And there have been instances um, such as the Rolando Cruz case um, from DuPage County years ago where, um, and I don't remember the details of it. It was a long time ago. But as far as I can recall, um, prosecutors actually um, presented evidence they knew to be false. And in a situation like that, I think they step, out, they step outside of their, uh, you know, they take their prosecutor hat off. And I think that they should, in fact, be um, potentially liable for uh, whether it be criminal conduct or that their law licenses should be should be reexamined um, when they do something like that. But again, I'm just talking about the most extreme kind of misconduct uh, committed by by a prosecutor. Um, if somebody is just making good faith arguments and, um, you know, doing their job, then I don't think that they should face any consequences for that. But when they when they knowingly present evidence that they know is false or that it's um, misleading to the court, I think that's a serious problem. Thank you so much, uh, I mean, for calling into question. Thank you, uh, Judge Anderson, uh, for responding to the question in such a wonderful way. Uh, folks, again, uh, Judge Anderson is learning for the appellate court, and uh, if you don't mind, if you want to share your uh, your itinerary, I mean, are you going to be having any fundraisers, any, any kind of activities that people can come and, and meet you in person? Uh, is there a website or something they can look you up at? Yeah. When, when it comes to fundraisers, judges are not allowed to uh, solicit or accept okay. uh, or really talk about fundraisers. <laughs> okay. I do have I do have a website. It's judgejohnanderson.com. We've got some videos uh, that we just put up there not long ago that are really getting a great response. Um, one of them um, involves a young woman that I met years ago who was um, – uh, her house caught on fire, and I had put together a fundraiser to help her and the other folks that lived in the house. It's a really touching and powerful video that she made. Um, we probably could have made a 20-minute video with her. She um, she just was such a powerful speaker. Uh, unfortunately, she kept breaking down into tears in the middle of the of the video. We had a we kept having to stop and restart. Okay. Uh, but it, it's very touching. Um, I do have a Facebook page also. It's judgejohnanderson.com. Excuse me. It's Judge John Anderson and. Um, you know, I wasn't being self-important when we made it Judge John Anderson, but if you just search for John Anderson, you're going to find a bazillion of us oh, out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I've been there. I've been very very okay. common name. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, today, and we'd love to have you come back uh, once the primaries are over and then you're in the final stretch. Again, folks, Judge John Anderson in the studio with us today on WCPT. 8.20 a.m. Chicago's Progressive Clock Radio Station. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with Zarka Abid who is running for 
for Congress in Ohio's uh, 15th uh, Congressional District. Stay tuned. If you have any questions, again, the number to call in 773-763-9278. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with our second guest of the morning. Thank you. Are you a business looking for the right talent or a job seeker searching for your dream career? Look no further than the Center for Strategic Solutions, your workforce solution experts. Our experienced team at the Center for Strategic Solutions is dedicated to connecting employers with top-tier talent and helping job seekers find opportunities that truly align with their goals. We're more than just consultants. We're your partners in success. Ready to take your workforce to the next level or land that ideal job? Contact the Center for Strategic Solutions today at 1-847-306-9274 or visit us online at www.cfssus.com. The Center for Strategic Solutions, your bridge to a brighter future in the Windy City. The number to call is 847-306-9274 or send an email to info at cfssus.com. That is info at cfssus.com. Welcome back to the Lightning Strike with Mohammed Fahim. Good morning, folks. Welcome back to the Lightning Strike. I'm your host, Mohammed Fahim. With me in the studio again is uh, John Anderson, who is running for judge for the appellate court. When we just heard from Judge Anderson, and also joining us today is Zarka Abid. She is running for Congress in Ohio's uh, 15th congressional district. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for driving all the way from Ohio to come to the studio with us. I know that uh, you have some other obligations also and some fundraisers uh, scheduled for today. So where is the fundraiser in the afternoon today? I think it's at OMG Nafisa Kitchen in, uh, at, in Skokie. Okay. That's where we are meeting from from 1 to two, one to 3 p.m. Okay, folks, so if you want to meet uh, with Ms. Abed from 1 to 2 p.m. today at Nafisa's Kitchen in, uh, where is that again? It's in Skokie. In Skokie. So please keep that in mind, Nafisa's Kitchen in Skokie to meet with uh, Ms. Abed in person. Uh, wonderful person. Uh, we've been through your, your background. Uh, you have a, a huge background in community service. So you want to walk us through what got you into this? To begin with, um, I have been a public servant all my life. I believe that. And, but I have been in Ohio for 16 years. And uh, in uh, 2014, I learned about some children being trafficked from uh, Columbus to Minnesota and Nashville, Tennessee. Hmm. And when I looked more into it, I found out that these were some of the children of refugee and immigrant who were trafficked by, uh, by truck drivers and being exploited. So I literally repurposed my life. And with that, I uh, focused on addressing human trafficking, drugs, gangs, violence in the on the west side of Columbus, where we have a very large population. And 40% of Columbus sex and drugs trafficking happen in that particular corridor. So in last 16 years, I have, uh, through, my, in, through my nonprofit organization, I have um, served more than 300,000 Ohioans and have saved thousands and thousands of children from hunger, drugs, gang, violence, and human trafficking. Um, and the, I've created safe neighborhoods, and the impact of my work is about $38 million. Wow. So, folks, here we have a candidate who has a great chance of becoming the first Pakistani-American 
congresswoman uh, in our country. Okay. Uh, the website is zerkaabid.com. That is Z-E-R-Q-A-A-B-I-D.com. If you want to check up on uh, what Ms. Abid has been doing in the community. So I'm looking at your website over here, and I see that the issues that you are running on are economic development, education and youth development, building safe neighborhoods, human trafficking and substance abuse that you just spoke about, uh, women's right and empowerment, and obviously the environment also. What do you think is happening on our borders at the moment? And... Uh, what uh, President Biden has been doing as far as the borders are concerned. What do you think when you're in Congress? Are you going to be supporting what is happening uh, if Biden gets reelected? I I support everything that is a main um, justice issue. This is this is we have to as a, uh, international leaders we have to be at the forefront of making sure that no international laws are being violated, and okay. our, at our borders, inside our country or outside. So I am hundred percent for providing the necessary services to people who are reaching to our country's border for asylum or any other uh, services that they need. And also, I am for pro-justice for people across the country. I believe that in our immigration system, system has a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, long lines for years and years. People are waiting for legal immigrations for green card purposes. That needs to be resolved. And I also believe that in, in our country, dreamers and other people who are in here, but they are not our taxpayers, they need to be that situation has to be resolved, and I think we need a holistic immigration policy to solve this. Okay, so what do you think about uh, the governor of Texas challenging our federal system by saying that I'm not going to listen to what the president is saying, I'm going to have my own laws, my state laws are going to be uh, more important than what the federal laws are? I think that's a challenge to the whole United States of America. I think when we are a union of all of this and we are under a federal government, we have to, because otherwise we are basically calling for anarchy. If and every single state will start asking for uh, things that they want to do on their own, then how are we going to run as a country? And that is a problem. That that sure is a problem. And uh, then we have this, this guy, uh, Governor Abbott, who is sending like, truckloads and busloads and plane loads of uh, migrants all over the countries, uh, you know, the sanctuary cities and overwhelming the services over here. Uh, how would you, when you get into Congress, address this issue? I, I think, uh, as I said, our main focus has to be on on the grounds of humanitarian grounds. That is very important for us to act as human beings. Okay. Because I think that when we are career politicians and we just want to do what is right for one party or the other party, we are, we are actually failing our people and we are failing our countries. I think that the burden on taxpayers is just too much because of wrong policies in place. Mm-hmm. If we work with these people who are being coming to 
our our communities as refugees or asylum seekers i am one who a non-profit leader who has actually created workforce development program have created jobs have done trainings and i can tell you that when we are going to have our policies in which we can take these people and train them and and convert them into our taxpayer dollar you know uh, taxpayers it's mm-hmm. going to change our economy it actually helps our economy so on one side i will say that those who are in this in the country they need to be uh, we need to work with them and we have to work the system in the way that it is better and boost our economy on the other side i would say that these you know especially my heart goes out to the children when i see those children in those you know without blanket without proper services this is america this is 2024 america where we mm-hmm. have children services who are actually are supposed to take care of so many you know smaller things but then we are putting these children who are which is the violation of international law separating them from their parents separating them from their their families and then putting them in those kind of you know jails kinds of units so i i believe that we need to work and the united states of america congress and senate needs to really act on these things because we are failing uh, not only those people and those families but we are failing ourselves as leader of the world okay uh, can you have a question for ms abid well <clears throat> speaking of borders this just came over the news wire the house republicans uh, just released two articles of impeachment against uh, homeland security secretary uh, may Mayorkas, accusing him of willful and systematic refusal to comply with the law and breach of public trust, which is kind of ironic and extremely hypocritical because on uh, President Trump's uh, orange Jesus uh, urging, they decided (laughs) to um, hold back funding for, you know, providing the the necessary uh, uh, funds to actually enforce the the border situation. So I just wanted to bring that up. Um, and what's your opinion on that? I am not aware of this particular impeachment, so I need to check on that, and then I can answer yeah, you. That just but came I across the wire like yes, literally yeah. ten minutes mm-hmm. ago. So yeah, one of the one of the things with WCPT is we say that uh, facts matter. So yes. we try to get the the latest information that's going on over there. Uh, folks will. Uh, Take a quick break. We have Ms. Zakha Abid in the studio with us. She is running for Congress in Ohio's 15th Congressional District. Uh, this is a new district that has been created. So we'll take a quick break and uh, come back with uh, some of the comments on what's happening with the International Court of Justice, and then we'll continue our conversation with Ms. Abid. Folks, did you know there's a program in Illinois that, if you qualify for it, would allow you to get solar installed in your home at no out-of-pocket cost? The benefit to you would be a reduction of your electric bill, possibly as high as 30 to 50 percent, and more importantly, you would take out the uncertainty of almost guaranteed future price increases imposed from your electric company. If you'd like to see if you can qualify for this program, call Kendaluke at 312-617-8979. That's 312-617-8979. Help us save the environment and change that electric bill burden. Welcome back to the Lightning Strike with Mohammed Fahim. Yeah. 
Good morning, folks, and uh, welcome back to the Lightning Strike. Uh, and we will continue our conversation uh, with Ms. Abid, and then uh, we'll get into what happened at the International Court of Justice and how uh, Israel is trying to spin this thing as to it was in their favor. Okay, so why did you decide to run for Congress? Why Congress? That's such a good question. Thank you for asking that. So I have been a public servant all my life. I'm not a, an establishment candidate. I'm not a career politician. After serving my district for 16 years and making the impact that I have made, I am taking it to Washington because where the policies are drawn and budgets are made. And the reason I'm going there because I want to fight for social, economic, and environmental justice. I want to fight for fiscal accountability on taxpayer dollars. I want to fight for common sense guns control, gun controls law, for women's right to choose for my farmers, my laborers, and everyday families, and for a pro-justice foreign policy. That's so awesome. That's so often. Uh, uh, folks, look at this. She spent 16 years in public service before deciding to run for Congress. Uh, we have a lot of people who just want to jump in and run for, for Congress without uh, establishing a base. How many precincts are there in, uh, in your district? There are several. The thing is, my dis, my district is divided into. It's very interesting district. It's divided right. into rural and uh, urban areas. So there are very different challenges. My rural areas have different challenges. Is a more farm farmland. There there are there are, they have their own issues of transportations and ditches and solar farms and whatnot. And then mm-hmm. my urban area has a major issue of human trafficking, gun violence, drugs. But what is common in both of them is unemployment and the lack of uh, resources. Is the, which is why where the poverty comes on. So my district has several neighborhoods which are under 500 to 200 percent uh, poverty line. And wow. that is where, you know, I am so, uh, you know, passionate to really, really work as a small business owner so myself and an immigrant myself. I know that we can solve it. We have done it for a small precinct area. We can do it for all. And that's why I'm running for Congress. Well, thank you so much for your service and thank you for running, folks. We got a very, very well-qualified candidate over here who's going to be running for Congress in the Ohio's 15th Congressional District. And my understanding is, uh, is that this is a new district that was created. Yes. So when uh, Congressman Mike Kerry, who is incumbent right now, he ran last time. It was a very different district. It was a 100 percent gerrymandered Republican district. Right now, this is a new district which has Columbus, some part of Columbus, downtown, Hillier, Dublin, Galloway. All of this is Franklin County area, which is 65 percent of the constituents about. And then we have Madison County, Miami County, Shelby County, smaller areas of that side, too. This is a very new district. So if somebody is looking up and saying that how uh, last time this election happened, mm-hmm. those are irrelevant numbers. They, the, the new district has had had two uh, recent elections. One was on August 8th, a special election, and November 7th, the general election. And both of them, the issues that were supported by the Democratic Party, they won by about 13 to 14 percent margin. And we know that the, this district heavily supports women empowerment and women. So I am the most qualified and best candidate for this particular district, which has uh, uh, people who need help, and I am here to serve them. Absolutely wonderful. Folks, again, zarkaabid.com, Z-E-R-Q-A. 
abid.com is uh, Misab's website. Please go and, uh, and check it out. And uh, again, we will uh, take a quick break uh, and come back with our next segment on what is happening with the ICJ ruling. And uh, we want to have your comments on that. The number to call in is 773-763-9278. And then we will end up uh, our day's program today with uh, Susan Holman, who will be calling in to talk about communication skills, especially in today's uh, social media world, how can parents communicate with their children, which I think is going to be an extremely important topic. And if you could, uh, don't mind if you can please stay till the end of the show with us. Thank you. Are you a business looking for the right talent or a job seeker searching for your dream career? Look no further than the Center for Strategic Solutions, your workforce solution experts. Our experienced team at the Center for Strategic Solutions is dedicated to connecting employers with top-tier talent and helping job seekers find opportunities that truly align with their goals. We're more than just consultants. We're your partners in success. Ready to take your workforce to the next level or land that ideal job? Contact the Center for Strategic Solutions today at 1-847-306-9274 or visit us online at www.cfssus.com The Center for Strategic Solutions Your bridge to a brighter future in the Windy City The number to call is 847-306-9274 or send an email to info at cfssus.com That is info at cfssus.com Welcome back to the Lightning Strike with Mohammed Fahim. Good morning, folks, and uh, welcome back to the Lightning Strike. Uh, let's see what happened at the ICJ. Here is uh, the Chief Judge, Judge Joan uh, Donahue, who's the president of ICJ, delivering this blast at Israel and as to what is happening as far as the genocide uh, you know, allegations are concerned. ICJ, the International Court of Justice, for people who are not familiar with that acronym. The court considers that, with regard to the present situation, Israel must, in accordance with its obligations under the Genocide Convention, in relation to Palestinians in Gaza, take all measures within its power to prevent the commission of all acts within the scope of Article 2 of the Convention, in particular, A, killing groups, members of the group, B, causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group, C, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part, and D, imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group. The court recalls that these acts fall within the scope of Article 2 of the Convention when they are committed with the intent to destroy in whole or in part the group as such. The court further considers that Israel must ensure with immediate effect that its military forces do not commit any of the aforementioned acts. The court is also of the view that Israel must take measures within its power to prevent and punish the direct and public incitement to commit genocide in relation to the members of the Palestinian group in the Gaza Strip. So, uh, folks, there, there you have it. 
it cannot be more clearer than that, that the International Court of Justice has determined that there has been an intent for genocide by Israel, and they are being asked to seize and desist from all of these acts that uh, the judge laid down. But uh, our good friend, Mr. Yahoo, I don't even want to call him Netanyahu now. This guy is a, is a pure Yahoo now, okay? <laughs> and here's his reaction to it. If you could uh, just play that clip, Dan. And outrageous. Israel's commitment to international law is unwavering. Equally unwavering is our sacred commitment to continue to defend our country and defend our people. Like every country, Israel has an... Okay, so Israel's commitment to international law is unwavering. How much can you lie, Mr. Netanyahu? And again, why are we as a country supporting this liar who is just coming straight out every single day and lying about what's happening? Folks, we need to put a stop to it. President Biden needs to put a stop to it, okay? Uh, just calling for a ceasefire is not working on this guy. This guy is just jerking us around, and we are taking it, quietly lying down. Uh, here's South Africa's president as to why South Africa stepped up and what do they want of what is happening in this International Court of Justice now. Dylan, if you could please uh, uh, play that clip. A little earlier. Have a listen. It is very much our place as the people who know too well the pain of dispossession, discrimination, state-sponsored violence. We are also a people who are the victims of the crime of apartheid. We know what apartheid looks like. Well, with me here, as you can see, is our international uh, editor, Jeremy. That is uh, something that the South African president has come out openly and said that they have gone through apartheid. They know what apartheid is. They know what genocide is. And uh, so we had the Holocaust Remembrance Day yesterday. And I think that it's time that people sit up and take notice that Holocaust didn't just happen like, it, you know, so many years back. It is happening right now in Palestine, in Gaza. And we need to really, really pay attention to that, folks. Uh, the number to call in, 773-763-9278. With me in the studios today is Zarka Abid. And uh, her website is zarkaabid.com. Also, zarkaforcongress.com. So both uh, places will lead to the same uh, same place. And uh, we have somebody calling in who wants to talk about uh, the fundraiser that Ms. Abid is going to be happening. If we can take that call, uh, Dylan. Good morning. You are on the air. Hi, good morning. Yes, I I tuned in a little afterwards, but I'd love to attend the fundraiser. And could you spell out the name? Because it went too fast and I uh, (laughs) I was trying to write down. (laughs) Okay, it's Mm Z-E-R-Q-A-A-B. I D as in David. Okay. Okay. Dot com. Okay. Okay. Zerka Abid dot com. And you wanted to 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 talk to uh, our caller, please. 
Yes, thank you so much for calling and asking the question. The fundraiser in uh, Chicago is in Skokie area at OMG Nafisa's Kitchen. It is going to be from 1 to, 2, 1 to 3 p.m. that we will be there. And and in general, as I said, I am not a career politician or establishment candidate. So I definitely am a people's candidate, and I need a lot of support from all of you to push back the uh, mega Republican dollars and other dollars being spent against me so I do not get elected. So your support okay. can take me there. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for yes, calling um, in. And uh, yeah. Yes, please. I just had another question. Sure. Um, I'm, yeah, that's what drew me to. I, I want, we need more people in Congress like her. But can you spell out the name of the restaurant for me? I, I, I missed it again. Just okay, it's Nafisa's Kitchen. Yes. N-A-F-I-S-A, Nafisa with an S at the end, Kitchen. And that is in okay. Skokie, right? Yes. I'm sure I'll find it. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Thank, thank you. you so for, uh, thank you so much for calling in. And uh, folks, with that, uh, we'll go to our final segment of the day. We have got our person of the week, and uh, Sheila White is our segment producer. Sheila, good morning. Hey, hey Sheila. Our person of the week, I'm so excited about our person of the week. Her name is Susan Holman, and she is doing a phenomenal job in the community, working with people. Her organization is called Eye2Eye Consulting, and uh, I'd just like to welcome her on our line this morning. Uh, good morning, Sheila, and good morning, Mohammed, and good morning, Ken. It's an honor and a privilege to jump on the conversation this morning. I've been listening to it on my computer as we've been moving along here. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity to uh, a few minutes to talk about communication. I am Susan, Susan Holman with Eye to Eye Consulting. I'm an interpersonal communication and sales skill coach, and I truly, truly, truly am passionate about supporting individuals to shake off their fear of talking to another human being and to accrue, you know, the, the skill set of interpersonal communication. And of course, on my business side, instructing individuals in the, the construct of selling. But what's interesting about our interpersonal communication is that um, we at all times, every human being on the face of the earth at all times in all quadrants of our lives are selling. And as I said, selling is a construct of interpersonal communication. So I'm honored to be here today. And I know that um, you were, Mohammed, you were uh, shifting the conversation to, you know, parental influences of communication, which are so profoundly important because we know as individuals, we know as human beings that the first teachers are our parents and or our parent. And of course, today in our world, uh, the statistics of um, households where individuals only have accessibility to one parent is staggeringly high. Um, not that we have to have two parents to teach us to be good communicators. Mm -hmm. I was a single mom for seven years, and I believe that during that time frame, I was incredibly impactful in teaching my 37-year-old son, not then, he was young then, now he's 37, okay. how to be an effective communicator. I was just going to comment on that, Susan, like, okay, you started a little bit late with your son, he was 37. <laughs> no, no, you know, okay. you know like when, he was a, when he was young, I mean, from the time he was three months old until he was seven years old, um, I, I was a single parent, so I was the person teaching him to be an effective communicator, and he's a profoundly effective communicator. He's a um, Chicago firefighter, he's on squad one in the city, and... And he's an incredible awesome. people person and quite an engager. 
Um, but talking about, about communication, one of the, the kind of scary and staggering things we see today is I you know, recently read an article, and it says that we as parents in the United States of America today, we outsource our children to be taught all different um, all different disciplines that they need to learn in their life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we outsource them to teachers and educators, and we expect our teachers and educators to educate them and teach them how to communicate and teach them how to be good students and teach them how to grow forward. We outsource them to coaches in our when they're in their sports arenas. We outsource them to youth pastors in our church environment. We outsource them for their physical education. We outsource them on everything. And when we think about that, we as parents are the primary voice of communication. Let me jump mm-hmm. in quick. Uh, we're Great. running a little bit short on time today. Okay. Uh, in today's social media world where the younger generation are basically communicating via text or emoticons, mm-hmm. how can a, a parent communicate with their children when they don't want to let go of their uh, of their electronic devices well here's that is such a great point but let's back that up who hands that child an electronic device as they are growing up right i don't know if you've observed um parents today but the first thing that a parent is now handing off to a child is their cell phone to entertain them and educate them when they're very, very, very small. I mean, when they're little, 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 like under 12 months old, they are handing them off to the phone. So to answer that question, as a parent, we have parental responsibilities. We have choices every single day that we make as parents. And it's our choice as a parent not to automatically default to handing your child a phone or buying your child a tablet when they're 14 months old. and, and then handing it to them. A child doesn't have accessibility to that unless we empower them with it until we hand it to them. And, I mean, there's multiple studies out there talking about how much screen time a, a young child under two years of age should be exposed to. And uh, the, at least in America, I don't, I don't live in any other society. I live in America. But we know that our, our little ones are, you know, they're indoctrinated into using devices from their parents. So, okay, so it is a choice. We need to educate the parents not we to do, do this uh, starting uh, you know from the ground up. Uh, we are running a very short on time today, then, okay. but we do have uh, two great candidates in uh, in the studio with us. John Anderson who's running for the appellate court and Zarka Abid mm-hmm. who's running for the uh, 15th congressional district in mm-hmm. uh, in Ohio now. What would you recommend as a communicator to somebody who's running for office? How can they communicate with their audience? What would you recommend? Well, my goodness gracious, thank you for asking me that question. <laughs> I was listening to both of your guests in the studio today, and I have yeah. to say that from listening to them, both of them are, are, are excellent communicators. The most important thing to remember when you're talking to a group of people, and I'll say this very, very quickly, is that when you're talking to a group of people, they only retain about 7% of the words that are coming out of your mouth. And I, I heard, I believe, John talking about body language. We know that human beings communicate six different ways, verbal, nonverbal, visual, and the written form. 
platform through meta communication and through energy. So as a communicator, when someone when you're talking to someone, they're only hearing seven percent of your words. They're reading thirty eight percent of everything else coming out of you and all different elements. And remember that individuals only will stay focused for about seven minutes when you're speaking. So make sure that you are intentional with your discussion, that you don't beg the question as the old debate teacher says here. You just don't go on and on and on and on and on. You've got to be impactful. You have to be right on your message. You have a very short period of time for individuals to accrue that message and to utilize it and to integrate it and then to walk away with it. And human beings will only retain overall 20% of what they hear at any given period of time. So when we all click off this radio show today, uh-huh. everything we've heard, we will only retain about 20% of what we heard here today. So being impactful, being insightful, knowing that people phase in and out in seven-minute in- intervals and using all the tools in your toolbox of communication to be an effective communicator, not only your verbal tools, but also your body language, your eye contact, your energy. Those are so critically important when you're speaking in front of a group of individuals, when you're being a public speaker, or truly when you're speaking one-on-one to another human being as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And there's our outro music coming in, Susan. Thank you for being our person of the week. And folks, uh, if you can retain 7% and you want to follow up on the other 93%, please go to our website, tlschicago.com. We will be posting this entire show over there. Until then, uh, we'll see you next week, same time, same place, on WCPT, Chicago's uh, progressive talk radio station. This is Mohammed Fahim and Ken DeLuke signing off.